Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. This morning, we're taking a trip down memory lane. We're throwing it back to one of my original interviews that I did at the start of this year with Tim Smith, the 2005 Rookie of the Year. If you were lucky enough to be old enough to remember that year, Tim Smith, he burst onto the scene in the NRL in his rookie season like nothing we've ever seen before. And, you know, I'm I'm hopefully I'm wrong, but like nothing we're ever going to see again. Tim Smith in 2005, he had 40 trices. He was unbelievable, and it wasn't just the stats. It was the way he was doing it. He showed us one of the best passing games we've ever seen. He was incredible. His kicking game was pinpoint. It was just scary how good Tim Smith was in his first year. And like many, the second-year syndrome, it got a hold of Tim Smith. His career didn't unfold the way that uh, most of us thought it was going to. I mean, he arrived at Parramatta 05, set the world alight there straight away. He's the next Peter Sterling. Yeah, these comparisons, they were coming thick and fast. It put a lot of pressure on Tim, and he ended up going over to England. He got himself into a little bit of Barney rubble here and there, and he's one of those great stories of what could have been. And to be honest with you, when I got a hold of Tim Smith and I spoke to him, I was expecting a real larrikin. I was expecting him to be a bit of a wild unit, and I must say he was the most genuine, nice bloke that I've ever met. He was sensational, Tim Smith, and he's one of those guys that, the media, they paint a certain picture of a guy. And, you know, it, I, I'm unfortunately, I have to admit, I had fallen for that. And once I got to know this guy and his wife, Renee, who was also a champion, it really, um, I, I was really lucky that I got to uh, shed a light on the sort of fella Tim Smith is. He hasn't done many podcasts with, um, with many other people. So this was a really fantastic opportunity for myself and a great opportunity for Tim to show the world what he's about. A champion fella and a chat that I thoroughly enjoyed. Let's kick it off. Tim Smith, he fires out a pass for Inno. What a pass from Tim Smith. A beautiful pass. And Christian Inno scores another try. Tim Smith, welcome on, mate. How are we travelling? Yeah, good, buddy. Uh, how are you going? Yeah, all going good. It's uh, There's not much doing at the moment, is there? No, uh, we're uh, we're all cabin cabin fevered out down here, mate. Whereabouts are you at the moment, mate? Where where are we living? Uh, a place called South Morang down in Melbourne, mate. About half an hour uh, from the city, so yeah, not too bad down here. How have you uh, How have you found your way down to Melbourne? Uh, my wife, she's from Melbourne, so uh, when I finished playing, mate, I uh, I had a choice to make, and uh, unfortunately, the missus won out. It's an argument you can't win, isn't it? Yeah, well, we were thinking about going, um, obviously, near the beach somewhere, either up towards, um, like, around Ballina or down towards Wollongong, so either end, but um, she wanted to come home, so that's what we did. Mate, I believe you're uh, you're a Queensland boy, yeah? You're f- from the Gold Coast? Yeah, so I was born in South Brizzy, mate, um, and then uh, moved out to Ipswich for a few years, and then uh, me and the... The old girl moved down to the coast when I was about five or six. So, yeah, Goldie's, Goldie's home, mate. So how did you end up uh, at the Eels? Um, it was funny because um, 
had a few offers from clubs and um, my uh, my stepfather, he was uh, a mad um, para supporter. And um, I said, if para come knocking on the door, that uh, I'd, uh, I'd go there. And um, I remember a recruitment officer up on the Goldie was from para and he come and had a chat to me and um, introduced me to Noel Cleal and it went from there, mate. Is the icing on the cake when it comes to the performance of Tim Smith? His, his long ball cutout pass, his first season he threw two passes that took my breath away. They were that good. Mate, that 2005 season, you must you must just pinch yourself when you look back on it. Yeah, well, it's a long time ago now, mate. But, um, yeah, it was a good year, obviously. Um, you know, we finished, I think we finished minor premiers that year. And, um, you know, we had a very good squad, you know. Um but uh, unfortunately, we uh, we couldn't get the get the goods at the end, mate. We we got hammered by Thurston and his Cowboys <laughs> on uh, in that prelim, which was uh, probably the worst thing of 05. <laughs> mate, I'll um I'll, I'll bring you back to that game in a minute, but I just want to know your first grade debut. Um, who did you come up against, and what was the uh, what was the feeling surrounding the week leading up to it? Yeah, so we played uh, the Tigers at um, I think it was ANZ Stadium, and um, I'd been done pretty much the whole preseason at training as a halfback. Um, so I sort of knew that, you know, I was going to get a crack if I played well in the trials. And, um, yeah, I, I was, I suppose I was, I was a bit nervous, but I'm a sort of kind of pretty easy going kind of fella. So, um, family was down and, um, yeah, we won that game and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good start to, to that year. Mate, 40 tries later, you take out the Rookie of the Year. You beat a pretty handy footballer by the name of Greg Inglis. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, it, we, we were very lucky. You know, I was I was blessed that I had um, a very good team to come into. Um, you know, the likes of, um, you know, the High Marshes, the Kalises. Um, I think we had Tamana there, Bert. Um, even guys like the late Chad Robinson, the Glenn Robinson, um Glenn Morrison, sorry, um, Daniel Wagon, like, you know, we had stars everywhere, and I just happened to, um, you know, be wearing the seven at the time. But, um, you know, I put a lot into my game early on, and um, you know, uh, it just sort of come off that year for me, which was good. Mate, you formed an incredible combination that year with uh, Eric Growth out on your left wing. Tell me about that little combo. Um, I. I wish I could tell you something really good, but mate, it wasn't. It was just, if you know Eric, he's a bit of a space cadet. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was just maybe we're on the same wavelength. Um, but yeah, he uh, he just got a few little kicks that I, that I was onto every now and then. And um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I, it just happened. So yeah, I can't give you too much more, mate. Speaking of being on the same wavelength, I'm sure there'll be some stories here. Tell me about your good mate, mate Mark Piggy Riddell. Yeah, so um, I think that was the first year Piggy come um, over in '05, and um, <coughs> excuse me, and um, yeah, like I, I hadn't heard much of uh, Piggy beforehand, you know, and um, he come over, and uh, he's actually a really smart footballer, you know. He um, he was a bit of a Bit of a leader around the joint. Um, well, definitely on the field. Um, off the field might have been a different story, but um, he uh, he was a smart footballer and um, learned a lot of him. Um, and yeah, we definitely had some good times off it as well. 
mate, I, I assume that year, you know, you would have come up a lot of guys that as a young bloke you would have looked up to. Who was the most daunting player to come up against in that first season? I think I've said in the past, obviously, um, you know, when I was a young fella, I, um, I looked up to Joey being obviously my position and, um, you know, he was he was the best running around at the time. Um, so him and obviously all those halves, you know, like Freddie and, and Lockie, they're all the best at that time in that era where I was sort of coming through. And um, but yeah, when we when we did play Newcastle, I still remember um, it was at um, Paris Stadium, and I think I mouthed off and said something. And uh, we, Joey said to me, uh, "Just beware this set," in different terms, of course. And um, I think I had Kennedy, Simpson, um, McDougal, the whole lot of them just run at me that whole set. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, pleasant. Fuck, he, he would have made it a uh, tough day at the office for you. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd never uh, I never tried to sledge uh, him or Newcastle, I think, while he was playing again. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Sterling still barking instructions to them. Erickson back to Sterling. Sterling, Sterling on his own. Sterling looking for a hat-trick. Can he get there? It's a hat-trick for Sterling. Tim, you know, speaking of great halfbacks, when you think back to that 2005 season, like I just remember the comparison between you and Peter Sterling was just being thrown around what seemed like weekly. How do you feel as a young bloke you handled that sort of pressure on your shoulders? I think obviously they were throwing that out and I think mainly only because maybe, um, you know, we were doing so well at the time. Um, You know, I was definitely not in that league. You know, no one should be sort of compared to someone that that great so soon. And um, to be honest, I probably, I think with myself, I didn't worry about too much what other people thought. I'm, I put so much pressure on myself and I probably think that was me downfall in the end. You know, I I was a very bad critic um, on myself. And, um, but yeah, like I said, I was very lucky to be in a, in a good team. Mate, he's, uh, he's coached, you know, a million teams. So a lot of guys that I've spoken to from, from your era and just before you have been coached by Brian Smith. And he seems to be quite a uh, polarising character. How did you find Brian Smith? Uh, yeah, I suppose um, that first year I was, um, I was very lucky um, because uh, if you ask most people, he's a very, um, very smart coach. Um, and um, I think for me, he was the best thing for me to come through that first year um you know he sort of gave me a bit of a free reign um in in what I saw I played and um yeah so I mean I, I haven't got really a bad word to say about him you know I, I um 
he helped me at that first point of my career. And, um, you know, I did have him in my last year as well over at Wakefield where um, he came over and did a brief stint and I think he ended up keeping Wakefield up. So, um, yeah, I had him at the start and at the end. So, yeah, it was uh, a bit of a fitting way to end, I suppose. Back to that, uh, back to that semi-final. Um, you know, when you look back on that year and you think 2005 when JT won the Dally M and yourself, you had 40 try assists. Like it was just an unbelievable year for the two of you. Parramatta came in with the minor premiership. Like, did you know on that day that there was something not right? Um, oh, we were we were confident going uh, going into the game. Um, I think there was a, a point in the game though where. Um, I put a cross-field kick across. It was early on. We had a lot of pressure on him, and um, it just went over Guru's fingertips, and, and it actually went out on the full. And you know, if it was probably a 30 centimeters shorter, we probably would have, um, we probably would have scored. But um, I just felt after that, it sort of just turned, you know. And, and once um, Thurston and, and Bowen at the time, they just uh, they got a sniff, mate, and, and off they went. Mate, I um I watched the game just a few weeks ago, and I know the exact kick you're talking about, Derek Growth, and fuck, it just seemed all year they they just landed in the right spot for you, and Growth just got hands to it. It just it, it, it just put you on the wrong foot, didn't it? Yeah, and and you know to this day, whenever I, uh, I speak to Guru or, or if I see him, he um he still blames me for uh, not making that grand final. So it's a bit of a laugh and. Um, but yeah, it, it probably it's probably true, mate. Yeah, if it lands in his hands, you know, it could have been, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't. Mate, let's say the NRL's back up and running next year, and um, a young halfback comes in and you know is the rookie of the year and sets the NRL alight like like you did in two thousand and five. What are your words of warning to them, like coming into the future? Oh, mate, I, you know, well, I, I suppose for me, you know, um, after that first year. Um, I maybe got carried away with um, a few other things in in uh, in my life and and didn't knuckle knuckle down as probably much as I should. Um, so you know, if if you're having a good year in that first year, you know you've got to work harder um, that next year. And um, you know, I probably didn't realise that until I, I actually got over to England and played at a, a sort of a lower club in Wakefield. You know, my first year there, I um I'd been sort of banished from the NRL and. And I, I reckon that first year over at Wakefield, where we, I think we nearly, we nearly beat Leeds in an uh, uh, elimination semi. Um, it was probably close to my one of my better years, and um, just realised that you had to work a lot harder. And um, at a at a young age, you sort of, you think it's all at your feet, but um, definitely if I look back, I could have done things a little bit differently. When the uh, when the 2006 season rolls around, it's it's a bit of a strange one for Parramatta. Um, I believe Brian Smith leaves halfway through the year. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a turn and one that one, and um, I uh, I can't remember exactly what what would happen, but um, yeah, 2006 I think we uh, finished I think we finished eighth. Um, we just scraped in, and I snapped my collarbone and had 12 weeks off, and um, I'm back for the the last game up in um, I think it was North Queensland, and um, yeah, it was it was it was a, a bit of a downer compared to that first year, but um, I suppose I should have learned then that, like I said before, you just had to work that extra harder because, you know, in the NRL they pick you up pretty quick. Mate, uh, Jason Taylor came in as the interim coach that year. He would have been a guy that I assume you would have looked up to when you uh, uh, were a young bloke coming through. H- how was your relationship with JT? 
So um, I think he coached me in Jersey Fleg or one of the younger sides. And, um, you know, JT's a very smart coach himself, you know, and he was a very smart player. And, you know, he helped me a lot with, um, you know, obviously with the kicking and all that side of the, uh, the game. But, um, yeah, no, he uh, he was definitely a, a mentor for a few of us over at uh, Para. You know, I think Blake Green was um, pl- playing in the lower grades as well. And I, and I dare say he could have some good words t- to be said about JT. So, yeah, no, he was, uh, he was a good coach and he was a good mate off the field as well. 2007 rolls around and you play the entire season. You play your 27 games. Um pretty well, pretty deep into the finals. You end up getting beaten by Melbourne, who go on to win the premiership. You know, how did that year feel compared to 2005? Did, did you guys think you were better? Like, where where, where were you guys at? Yeah, I, I, it was definitely um, a different side. You know, that 2005 side, I, I think when we um, decided to turn it on, I, th- I think, you know, we were, we were pretty com- comfortable with, you know, that we were going to win. But... Um, in that 2007, we were more of a, a grinding sort of side, I thought. Um, and maybe not as much, uh, you know, talent, but um, definitely, you know, we just we just grinded away and, and we got it done. And, and we found ourselves, you know, in that prelim in Melbourne. And um, I think uh, they only just pipped us down there at, um, I think it was Etihad. And, uh, yeah, so... It, it was definitely one that just snuck away again, mate. You know, we sh- we could have we could have given it a good crack again, and unfortunately, um, you know, as you said, Melbourne went on and, and won. You talk about becoming more of a grinding side. Did that have a lot to do with Michael Hagen coming in as coach? We hear, you know, that the the Queensland dynasty of those eight years, you know, Mal Meninga was coached, but they they all say that Michael Hagen had so much to do with it. What sort of effect did he have on your side? Well, he he had a big, um, you know, I still, you know, Hague's um, come in and obviously, you know, he um, was down there in Newey and, you know, when you've uh, been with working with the Johnses and the Badiruses and those type of blokes, you know, you know a fair bit about the game. And, um, um, yeah, he come in and, you know, Finchie was over there with me and um, I think, yeah, it, it took a bit of time for us to start gelling, but, um, you know, Hague's is such a cool, cool, calm sort of guy and, um, you know, he just said, you know, it's going to take time. And, you know, he was right in the end. You know, we got all the way to a prelim. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he was a good influence definitely on, on, the, on the club and myself. Your, uh, your halves partner that year, Brett Finch, I think he is an extremely underrated footballer. Um, you know, he's just, when the game's on the line, he always wanted the ball. He was more than happy to take the risks and wear the shit for it. How did you find playing with, with Finchie? Oh, mate, as you said, like... He, He's a larrikin off the field, but when it comes time to um, you know get it done, he um, he's very um, very old school in that way. You know, he um, he crosses that line and and uh, we're into it. So um, you know, he was a very uh, he was just a competitor. I thought you know he um, you know he might not have had the the most skills in the world, but um, geez, he um, you know he just competed on everything. And um, I suppose that was uh, that's a trait that. As a, as a, if I look back as a young bloke, I would have liked to have more of, you know, I got it later on. And yeah, no, definitely um, very underrated. That year, the two of you uh, had a bit of coaching assistance from Joey Johns. You know, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that he, he sprayed you when you were a, uh, a young bloke coming into first grade. What was it like a few years later to be coached by him? Yeah, um, I, I think I only got a few sessions because I ended up leaving Para um, pretty early. I think it was in that 08. And um, 
yeah, like I said, you you just you're a sponge when someone like that comes along, and um, you know, I, I'd met Joey uh, beforehand, and um, yeah, like definitely when you come out and you see the way he thinks about footy and all those type of things, you know, you take it in, and um, yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it, you, you're stupid if you if you don't take his advice on. Tell me about the next year, two thousand and eight. I imagine one of the harder years of your career. Obviously, everyone everyone sort of knew what happened. You know, um, things didn't work out well, and um, yeah, like, I look back at it now, and I, and I, and I suppose you know, um, I was young and silly and all that type of stuff. But um, you know, it happened, and, and I can't really uh, you know can't take it back. So just got to keep moving forward, mate. Just um, just over the last few days, and I've been just going back and reading a few articles and stuff like. I guess people have got to sort of appreciate that as far as mental health, um, the mental health landscape goes in the world, like it was a different world in 2008, wasn't it? It was, you know, and, um, you know, there wasn't much sort of said about it. Um, you know, I think um, when it all sort of come out, you know, I did, I had no idea what I was dealing with, um, you know, but um it was a it was a tough to- it's a bit of a tough time but um, you know what I mean we got through it in the end and um, yeah it was uh, yeah you look at the NRL now and what they do around it um, they definitely uh, come a long way um, yeah it was uh, it was uh, a bit of a tough time yeah mate I, I sort of you know being the age I am and you know my first memory of a player sort of coming out and talking about mental health was yourself like do you feel like you played a role? in the progression of the game and of the stigma of mental health in Australia? Oh, I wouldn't say that, mate. I think, um, you know, obviously um, I came out for a reason. It was obviously taking its toll on me. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I suppose, like you said, it, it's a lot of people come out now and, and say, you know, they've um, they've got mental health issues. And um, to see, you know, like no one should uh, have to, go through the pain by themselves and yeah it's um it's it's moved a long way which which is a good thing before i ask you about your move to england after that there's just one more thing i want to ask you about uh which i just you know just a strange situation that i was reading up on the other day tell me about your little run in with uh michael clark before you went over there (laughs) oh jesus um yeah, uh, well, it, yeah. It wasn't even a running. I, I, I can't even. I couldn't believe it got blown out like that. I was just like, but um. Anyway, yeah. It was uh. It was a Sunday, Sunday Arvo, and um. We were all just down at uh, in Cronulla there, the Northeast Hotel where we all used to go, and yeah, it was it was funny because I think he uh, sort of a still remember he accused me of doing something that I didn't do, and um. He sort of gave me a bit of a push and. So I give him a nudge back, and then that that was sort of it, and um, the media just blew it all out of proportion. Yeah, mate, I, I I actually read another interview with him, sort of saying that he was shocked how far it got blown out of um out of proportion. But I believe you got fined by the club, and you really s- sort of copped the brunt of it. Well, I think at the time I'd, uh, I'd played up a, a little bit before, and you know, um, and yeah, but like I said, it was it was blown out of proportion, but um. You know, when sometimes when the media get something, they just run with it. Tell me about the move to England in 2008. How did you find it over there? Um, yeah, so 2008, I went over there to Wigan, and um, I uh, I went over there, and um, Thomas Lulai and um, 
Trent Barrow and the halves. I was just coming off the bench for most of that for that year, and um, yeah, we did quite well. I can't remember exactly how far we got through that year, but I know we got pretty far. It might have been a prelim again, and um, just another another opportunity missed. You know, I made a bloody shitload of uh, prelims, but um, yeah, that first year was good. You know, I had a good time. We enjoyed it, and um, my old uh, stepfather come around over there for a few weeks and. It was good. I got to play with some good players. Was it a blessing to get away from some of the media um, back here in Sydney? Yeah, definitely. You know, but in saying that, Wigan Wigan's a very big uh, rugby league town over in England. So um, obviously the media wasn't as bad as uh, over here with their coverage, but um, there's still there was a lot of still a lot of talk about Wigan players and that. So um, yeah, you still had to sort of be on on your best behaviour behaviour there. So yeah. Mate, the uh, the next time we saw you, you were um, playing for the Sharks. But I think that, you know, uh, a part of your life that not many people seem to uh, know about or remember is that you spent a bit of time um, in the Brisbane system. I just did a pre-season with them uh, coming back um, from Wigan. And, um, uh, I forget what it was, it was 2010 uh, pre-season, I think it was. And, um, yeah, I did the pre-season up there and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was probably the fittest I ever ever was, you know, and um, just trained really hard, ran really hard and, um, you know, just got fit and um, felt really good. And um, obviously I was going to have to wait wait my opportunity up there, but, um, you know, the Cronulla Sharks uh, come knocking on the door and, and that's where I went. Tell me about your... your year at Cronulla there like I imagine coming back from England there would have been a lot of eyes on you based on how you left no not so great mate it was probably the worst probably two years of my uh my rugby league I reckon um but you know I was lucky enough to um to get coached by Ricky Stewart who I've got um probably the utmost respect for you know he gave me a chance and you know probably one of my bigger regrets is uh in rugby league it's sort of, you know, not performing at that Sharks team because, you know, he gave me a chance and um, I probably didn't perform uh, to the standard that I should have. And, and that was a, a big one. Um, you know, when Ricky left, I, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't happy with myself, you know, because I, I sort of I felt like I let him down. When you look at Ricky Stewart's uh, sides now, can you see the changes in him as a coach? Because I, I remember back in those days, you know, there was just... He was constantly just blowing up and there was a lot of sort of anger always on the sidelines. He seems to be a completely different bloke now. Where do you see him from your perspective? Um, I think um, f- for me, um, you know, with, with Ricky, um, I knew straight away what type of person he was and, and um, he was up, he was honest and, and you could just tell he was, he just, uh, he really, um, I don't know what it was. I just got a good vibe from him, you know, and um Really just, he looked after his players, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, I think for him now, it just reaps the rewards he did early on. Um, I think he's got a really good team that, you know, he's assembled down there at Canberra. Canberra. And, um, yeah, mate, I was I was rooting for, for them last year in the final. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they didn't get up. But, um, yeah, I hope for, I reckon this year they'll be up there again. And, and you know, that's through... Uh, hard work and, and you know I uh, yeah like I said I've got a lot of respect for that man like obviously he was one of the greatest halfbacks we've ever seen and you know you, you as I'm talking to you, I'm realising how many great halfbacks you're in contact with you know you went through Jason Taylor you had Joey 
you had mm. Ricky. Which of the three of them do you think helped you the most in your career as a halfback? Well, obviously, you know, early on it was um, it was JT. He I was only what seventeen or eighteen when um, when I got there. Um, so yeah, that helped. He helped me then, and then obviously I, I did have a lot to do with Joey. To be honest, you know, I needed a few sessions with him. So it was more just watching watching Joey on the TV and, and seeing what he was doing and, and and trying to implement a few things into my my game that he was doing. But um, and then with Ricky as well, you know, it was the same thing. I, I didn't perform. I wasn't at the level that I should have been, and I knew uh, I could be at a, a better level. And um, so for, for with Ricky, it wasn't really. Uh, it was more a personal relationship than a than a footy one, I suppose. And um, so yeah, like I said, all three of them had their different perks, but. Um, when I was going through the the better years of my my rugby league, you know, it was sort of just the coaches I had at the time and, and myself doing and playing of what I thought was do, going well and and just doing that. Tell me, mate, when you now sit back on a Friday night to watch footy, which are the halfbacks that you enjoy to watch of the modern game? Um, I, I still, uh, you know, I, I like the way Pearcey plays. Um, I think he plays a lot like the uh, old school. Sort of halfback, how we uh, used to play, where we cover the the whole field, and you know that's sort of how I like the uh, the halfbacks to play. You know, I suppose that's how I was taught. You know, the half is running around, you know, barking orders, and and you know your six and your one both swing around the field following him. But um, only him. Um, I think who else have we got out there? I think Ash Taylor's got a lot of talent, um, but. Um, yeah, he's just in a bit of a spot at the minute. But um, definitely uh, Mitchell Pearce is probably the one that I like watching at the minute, especially with his combination with um, um, Caelan Ponga. I watch Ash Taylor, you know, I just think he's got all the talent in the world and I feel like he's not he's not that far away from properly putting it together and, and becoming the star that he should be. H- how do you see Ash Taylor going over the next few years? Oh, well, it's a make or break sort of scenario for him in it you know he, he's he's got the big bucks and um you know he showed you know what he can do but yeah I, I think I've seen him he said he had to get away from the game for a bit and you know hopefully he's gone away and, and done the right stuff but um you know he's just got to go out and play footy mate it's simple as that that's what he gets paid for and um I'm sure he's doing those things tell me about your last few years of footy that you played uh over in England Oh, I loved it, mate. Enjoyed uh, every bit of it. Um, you know, I, I went over there and um, Richard Agar gave me a chance. And that's one coach that I probably did uh, repay in, in my footy. You know, I, um, you know, we were a, a lower tier club over there. And um, I suppose that first year over there, we were, he just signed a lot of misfits. And, um, you know, we just clicked and uh, we had a really good year. Um, like I told you earlier on, it was probably one of my, my better years in, in rugby league. And, um, yeah, just on and off the field, everything just worked, mate. It was a, it was a really good uh, combination, you know, amongst uh, players and coaches and stuff. When you said uh, there was a lot of misfits in that side, run me through uh, some of the fellas knocking about in that team. Uh, I think there – well, there was a lot of English guys over there that, um, you know, might have played up a little bit like myself. And, um, you know, Betty Kikane rings a bell. Um there was just a lot of guys that, um, 
were sort of on the fringe and couldn't sort of make a good fist to first grade. And we all just got put in there together and, and we, we just made it work sort of thing. And, you know, Agar was uh, sort of an old school type of coach. You know, he'd been around with uh, Peter Sharp for a long time. They got on really well. And he sort of just let me run the team. And I think that's when um, I played my best is, is when um, I just got free reign of that sword. Mate, we hear a lot of, um, of former footy players talking about when they retire. You know, they sort of struggle with that with that post footy lifestyle. How did you find it? Yeah, I did, mate. I found it tough for the probably the first two or three years, and um, you know, you you look at a few, a lot of the 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 big name players. You know, they go into commentary and and all that type of stuff, and all coaching, and you know, I I didn't have that luxury. Um, I had to. I still remember, you know, I finished and. A holiday with the family for uh, I think we went for three weeks to on the way home from England and and I was straight into work you know I had a job with my brother-in-law and it was on the tools and off I went back to back into real life and um, yeah it took me a while to get used to um, but now you know I'm I've been in the industry for like nearly six years and and you know I'm enjoying life now I'm enjoying not the, having the the just the week in week out thing of footy, you know. Um, I can just come home and um, see the family, and you know, my son's ten now, and he's played a fair bit of AFL now. So um, the league isn't as strong down here, but uh, you know, he, he's a little little star down here. So um, who knows? So obviously, life in Melbourne, I guess, is there not as many people recognising Tim Smith down there? Oh no, no, you know, like I said, I've been out of the game for a long time, and. Yeah, there's there's not many people. There's probably no one that really uh, recognises me, except maybe a few of the Islanders. But um, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's a very quiet lifestyle down here where I am, and uh, yeah, it's good. Have you uh, have you been involved in any coaching or anything since? Um, I, I, I did a little bit with the uh, Storms um, under under twenties um, for two three years and. It was getting a bit hard, you know, um, you know, training them and working the hours that I'm doing, um, you know, and not seeing my family as much. I sort of had to uh, uh, just sort of bite the bullet and, um, you know, um, pick one or the other. And, you know, I went with work and um, now that doesn't mean that I still don't watch footy and, you know, um, have a big interest in the game. Um, you know, uh, my halves partner of... In the 2005, he's a head coach now, you know, Johnny Morris. And it's just good to see that people in that in that side and, and players that I've done are doing so well. Tell me about your wife, Renee. She uh, she helped me set up this interview. And, you know, just from the, the little that I spoke to her, she sounds like an absolute champion. Yeah, well, she stuck around, mate. You know what I mean? I haven't been the easiest bloke to probably live with. But, um, yeah, no, she's a... She's a good woman. Um, she looks after me and, you know, we've got two young kids as well, Slater and, and Blair. And, um, yeah, we're, um, we're, we're just enjoying life down here, which is good, and, and, and we're just ticking along, mate. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for your time. I uh, congratulate you on everything you achieved in your career and, more importantly, everything you've achieved after, mate. You seem to have a lovely little family down there and enjoying life. No worries. Thanks for that, mate. Cheers, brother. See you, mate.